Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Okay, folks, we have been looking at Jesus' earth walk. We've been looking at Jesus coming among us and looking at his life because basically what we're wanting to do is is we're wanting to really broaden our concepts of who Christ is. Because if you remember when we started this series, I said to you that, you know, I've been a believer now for 25 years. I've been pastoring for 15. And the reality is, is that you and I have concepts of Christ, but really they're not full concepts because we could talk about everything else. We could talk about what not to do and what to do. And if you think about the messages about, you know, 10 steps to have a happy this and 10 steps to have a happy that and 10 steps to overcome this. And, but the reality of knowing who Jesus is, that just kind of misses us. And so as we've been going through this study in Luke, we're going to go through the gospel. And it's going to take us a while because we're plodding along. We're looking at Jesus' earth walk. We want to understand who Jesus is. And I'm going to be honest with you. As I've been studying for this message, I've just been blown away. Because the reality of who Jesus is is so much different than what we have in our churches today. In fact, Luke today, as we get into verses 17 through 26, he's going to talk about another healing. He kind of showed us the last time we looked, when we looked at verses 11 through 16, with the healing of the leper. Jesus goes beyond the norm. Jesus goes beyond the status quo. Jesus reaches out to people that are rejected by the religious community, that are rejected by society. Jesus reaches out to people. Now, here's what I want you to see. Today, he's going to do another healing, but Luke is going to share with us a story. He doesn't say when it happens. He's got a point for bringing it out because he's going to make sure that you understand that Jesus comes in conflict with a certain group of people. Let me explain who they are. They are the self-righteous, moral, religious people. Here's the reality. As I was looking at this passage... I couldn't help but be struck with the reality that when I look at George, 25 years later, after coming to Jesus Christ in April of 1985, that I look at myself and I think, man, you are just like those self-righteous, moral, religious people. You're not like Jesus. That's an awesome thing to think about. When you look at our churches today, we are more like the Pharisees than we are like Jesus. And what we're going to see today about Jesus is we're going to see his forgiveness. We're going to see the reality that Jesus is the one who can forgive. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look today, we're going to see a man and his friends. It's the Paralaic. Some of you are familiar with this story. We're going to see these self-righteous scribes and Pharisees who are there observing And then we're going to see Jesus. We're going to see the one who heals. So look with me, verses 17 through 26. And let's look and see what Luke writes for us today about Jesus. Now it happened on a certain day that as he was teaching, that there was Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, 
And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. When they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who blasphemes? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose up before them, took up what he had been laying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. We're going to see the reality of Jesus and the one who forgives, but I want to talk a little bit about a couple of groups of people here. I'm going to talk about the man, the paralyzed man and his friends, and I want to talk about the self-righteous. First of all, let's look at the man and his friends. First thing I want you to see in verse 18 is I want you to realize, again, we're dealing with someone here who is sick, who needs healing in his life. And so the first thing I want you to see about this man is this, the man was helpless. Luke is, Luke is doing something very interesting here. He's, he's going to share a story. He starts off, it happened on a certain day. He doesn't tell you what day. He doesn't tell you what town they're in. But he's going to introduce a story, and he's going to tell a story about that in this town, Jesus is there. And by this time, Jesus has gotten to be very popular. Everybody knows about him. When he shows up in your town, the first thing you're going to do is grab anybody who's sick and bring them to Jesus because you know that Jesus can do what, folks? He can heal. Jesus can bring life back to people. Jesus can cast out demons. Jesus is the guy, you got a problem, you go see Jesus. So obviously there they are, they're gathered in this place, in this home, and there are different types of people there. I'll talk about one of the groups here in a moment. But the crowd is pretty big. And so here's this guy, he's paralyzed, he's a paralytic. He can't move. He's totally helpless. Now, here's what I want you to see. His friends expressed their care with action. His friends expressed their care with action. So here's this guy. Even if he wanted to go see Jesus, he can't go see Jesus, but he's got some friends. Now, it says friends. It may be family members. It may be close friends. It may be relatives. It may be people who just cared for him. But they know if we can get this guy to Jesus, he's going to be okay. If we could get this guy to Jesus, he's going to be whole again. He's going to be able to walk. So here's what I'm saying. They did more than just express care. They did it with action. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you can tell people you love them, but if, if your words aren't backed up by actions, that doesn't mean anything. You know, in fact, can I be honest? When you look throughout the New Testament, when it talks about a church, it's not talking about a building. It's talking about a group of people. And the interesting thing about the group of people is it's, it's where love is in action. 
It's not a bunch of people who say, oh, we care for you and we'll, we'll pray for you. If you're able to do something to help them, do it. That's the implication. That's what these folks were doing. These friends thought, okay, this guy needs Jesus. We're going to bring him to Jesus. We're going to bring him to Christ. And so here's what they did. Now, it's interesting. You say, boy, they broke through the roof. Now, I don't want you thinking about your house with a pitch. They didn't climb up there. I mean, you almost see it's like like a Laurel and Hardy or a Three Stooges thing trying to drag a guy up there on a pitched roof. That's not the way it was. In Palestine at that time and still today, they had flat roofs. And they had a stairway that goes up to the roof. So the crowd's big. There's no way they're getting in to see Jesus. But they know Jesus is the one who can heal. So guess what they do? They dig through the roof. I mean, picture it. They're in this home. The crowds are there. Somebody's digging through the roof. They're removing the tiles. Debris is falling. And then, think about it, ropes are lowering a guy on his mat down in front of Jesus. What a scene. What does that tell you, though? They were willing to do whatever for their friend to get to Jesus. They were willing to do whatever for their friend to get to Jesus. You know what? When you read that passage, I have to be honest with you, I feel guilty. Because I know that Jesus brings healing to people's lives. But am I willing to do whatever to get my friend to Jesus? They did. And here's the other thing I want you to see. Look at me. Their faith was in Jesus' ability to heal. What would drive people to do this? Hey, have you ever been somewhere? I've been to a few places where, oh, you know, if you get there, if you get there in time, you maybe can go to an event or something. But then when you get there, the crowd is big and huge, and you just say, Forget that. I'm not fighting that crowd. It would have been a nice event, but I'm going home. How many of you have had that kind of experience before? A lot of us have. It's like, I'm not going there. Aren't you glad these folks didn't have that attitude? Why? Because their faith was in who? Jesus. Their faith was in Jesus to heal. So again, look at the attitude here. They want to express care and love for their friends. Therefore, they're determined to do whatever they can to express their care and love by what? Getting him to Jesus. That's the first group of people. I want you to notice the second group of people. We see it in verse 17 and verse 21. Verse 17, Luke kind of sets it up. It happened on a certain day that as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal. Here's what's going on. Here they are. Luke wants to make the point. They're in, this, they're in this house. Now, first of all, let me explain something to you. These aren't big houses. But they're in this house, and a whole section of the room is taken up with folks who are religious people. A whole section of the room is taken up with Pharisees. Now, let me explain something to you about Pharisees. They know the Scriptures they used to play games. Here's how you want, to, you want to play a Pharisee game? Here's how you play a Pharisee game. You open up your Bible, stick your hand on a verse, and then quote the chapter before and a chapter afterwards. How many of you could do that? But that's what they would do. So, I mean, you're talking, about, you're talking about people who were self-righteous. They dressed the right way. They only hung out in the right places. They didn't go to the bad places. And they had scribes there, so they had the theologians. They had the people who, who knew their doctrines. But notice what Luke says. They weren't there just from that town. They were there from all over Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. So they, they obviously had heard about Jesus, 
heard about what's going on, so they came to investigate. That's why they're there, folks. They're not there to learn for themselves. They're there to figure out what's going on. And that brings me to the first point I want you to see here is about the self-righteous is that they sit in judgment. They sit in judgment. When you talk about self-righteous moral church people, let me just go ahead and say it that way, because that's what we're talking about, isn't it? When you talk about self-righteous church people, we sit in judgment of others, even in judgment of what God may be doing in someone's life, because we think we've got our act together. Do you know what I mean? We sit there and condemn others because what? They don't look like us. They don't dress like us. They don't act like us. And believe me, they're glad they don't act like us. And the reality is, is here they are. They're, they're not there to find Jesus for Jesus' sake. Do you understand what's going on here? They're there to sit in judgment. Who is this guy? Is he real? Is this for real? Who's he hanging out with? Now, it's interesting. Luke is introducing that right off the bat in chapter 5. And when you go throughout the rest of this gospel, he's going to keep presenting this whole fact of who they are. They're going to stand in judgment of Jesus. They're going to stand in judgment of who Jesus hangs out with. They're going to stand in judgment because they haven't already figured out what should be going on and how God should operate. And the reality is, is they're wrong. In fact, here, if you want to write something down, here's what I want you to write down. They put God in a box, and their God could only operate within the parameters of their box. You understand what I'm saying? They had God in a box, and from what I guess, it was a pretty small box. And God only worked within their parameters of the box. Now, here's the problem. Jesus works outside of the box. Aren't you glad for that? So here they are, they're, 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 they're the self-righteous is as they sit in judgment of others. But yet, you know what we do? Here's what self-righteous people do. They sit in judgment of others. They measure others, but here's what Paul would say later in Romans. They can't measure up to their own measuring stick. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Look with me at verse 21. So Jesus, here's, here's Jesus' response. There comes the guy. I mean, think about it. Big kerfuffle, stuff falling down. I mean, it's, you know, stuff's gravel, all that stuff's falling down, dirt, thatch, everything's falling down. Here comes this guy, boom, and Jesus is looking, he's struck with the faith of these men who brought this guy to him, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. And look at how these guys, this self-righteous group acts. Look with me at verse 21. Look at what they say. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. So they're not being vocal here. They're thinking among themselves. They're thinking. They're, 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 they've got that look, I'm sure. But they've got that brain process going on here. The scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Now, do you understand what blasphemy is? Blasphemy is insulting the character of God. You understand what I'm saying? So here they are. They're sitting in judgment of Jesus and saying that he is insulting the character of God. Who can forgive sins but God alone is what they said. And here's what I want you to see about the self-righteous. They miss the obvious. They miss the obvious. Because you know what? They're half right. What do you mean they're half right, George? Well, first of all, Jesus wasn't blaspheming, so they're wrong there. But when they say that who can forgive sins but God alone, they're right. Theologically, they're right. 
Listen, when a self-righteous person stands in judgment of others, they're right. The sin that they're doing is wrong. Bottom line. But what they're doing is, is they're missing the obvious. They're missing the obvious that God might be at work in someone's life. That God might be bringing a person to find Him. That God might be bringing a person to reach out to Him. They're missing the obvious. These guys were missing the obvious because they're missing the obvious because obviously they came because they heard Jesus is doing all this healing and stuff. There was something different about Him. And when he says, your sins are forgiven you, yeah, they're right, only God can forgive, but maybe the reality is is that someone from God was in their midst. There are several Hebrew passages in the Old Testament that say that the Messiah would forgive. They knew that. They were missing the obvious. See, here's the thing. You can have a lot of knowledge about biblical spiritual things, but miss it. You understand what I'm saying? You can miss it. In fact, if you know what, here, let me just flip over for you. You don't go there. 1 Corinthians 13. Paul makes an interesting point. He says this Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. That's what's wrong with a self righteous person, isn't it? They don't have any love. But here's what I want you to notice now. We've seen the man and his friends. We've seen their determination. They realize that Jesus is the one. We've seen the self-righteous. They sit in judgment. They miss the obvious. In fact, I was just thinking of a 14th century monk by the name of Thomas Akempis wrote a book of imitation of Christ. Some of you have seen that book. And in it, he talks about studying the Word of God is like going into the forest and missing the trees because you're examining stumps. That's what these guys were doing. They were missing. But here we're going to see now the one who forgives. And so I want you to notice with me verse 20 and 22. Look, first of all, when he saw their faith, verse 20, and then verse 22, and when Jesus perceived their thoughts, here's what I want you to see about the one who forgives. He knows the hearts of men. He knows the hearts of men. You're going to see this come out over and over and over, especially in his interaction with the Pharisees, especially in his interaction and what he says about the Pharisees, is that they look really good on the outside. And isn't that true about self-righteous moral people, is that they look good on the outside? And you know what? I can say that because I'm a recovering self-righteous moral person. I have been trapped in it for years of looking good on the outside. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all are like that, aren't we? But here's the reality. Jesus looks beneath the veneer. I remember when Lori and I first got married right before we went to Canada. We didn't have much furniture, but we're going to Canada to pastor our first church, and and we needed a dining room table. And, you know, I'm a guy. Just go buy one. Just go in a store get one. No, no, you've got to go and shop, first of all. You ladies know what I'm talking about. You want to get a good deal. And then we've got to make sure it's solid. And, and you know, and, and that's, that's an interesting concept. I didn't realize in the furniture business that there's solid and then there's solid. And that particle board can be considered solid. And it may look good on the outside, but it's all flakes underneath. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? 
And, and, and you know what? God looks beneath the veneer of our lives. We can have it all together on the outside, and we look really good. And especially for one hour on Sunday morning, we can look really good. See, here's the thing. God looks beneath all of that. He looks at our hearts. See, Jesus looked beneath the hearts of those men who brought their friend. What did he see there? Their faith. Jesus looked beneath the hearts of those self-righteous people. What did he see there? Their unbelief. See, He knows our hearts. He knows why we do what we do. See, we can fool everybody else. In fact, friends, you can even fool yourself. What do you mean, fool yourself? Well, Proverbs tells us very, I think it's actually Jeremiah tells us that our hearts are wicked. Who can understand them? You can even deceive yourself. But see, God sees right through it. Jesus sees right through it. And here's the other thing. He has the power to heal and forgive. Look at what's going on here. So he says to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. And boy, they're all raising a ruckus. And Jesus, understanding what's going on, says, well, you know, why why are you reasoning in your heart? Which is easier, folks? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to tell this guy who's paralyzed to get up and walk? Now, you know what, guys? It's pretty hard for a paralyzed person to get up and walk when he's told to, right? This is the point Jesus is making. And then he says, so that you know that the Son of Man, now let me just stop for a moment, that is a messianic title. He is purposely presenting himself to these people as who? The Messiah. So that you know that the Messiah, the Son of Man, has power, he says. He looked over at the guy and he told him to get up and walk. My friends, if he could heal a paralyzed man, he says, I can heal and forgive you of your sins. Isn't that awesome? He can heal us. Let me just stop for a moment. Self-righteous people aren't into forgiveness. They are for themselves, but they aren't for other people. Jesus stands in contrast and says, you know what? I am the healer. I am the forgiver. I bring forgiveness to your life. You say, okay, George, what are we going to do with this? We see this reality of Jesus, the healer, Jesus, the forgiver. What's the conclusion to this? Well, I want you to think about those two groups of people. I want you to think about the man who brought their friend, who did whatever it took, who were determined, who broke through a roof. Now, how would you like to be that homeowner? After the crowd leaves, you got a hole, and there's a storm coming. There it is. I, which group do you belong to is the question. Are you the guys who took their friends, or are you the ones who are sitting in self-judgment of others? Think about it for a moment. You know, I'd like to say I'm like the first group. I'd like to say, George, yeah, I'll do whatever to bring people to Jesus. But you know what? I find myself more and more standing in judgment of others. And if we're honest with ourselves, every one of us is there. Being honest with you. Which group do you belong to? You know what? Who, i tell you which group I want to belong to. I want to be like those men who bring their friend to Jesus. But I find myself more and more like who? The guys who sit in judgment. Which group do you belong to? Which group do you belong to? You know, in fact, let me ask you this. Let's move on one question. Is your love for others reflected in actions? You know, talk is cheap. You may want to write that one down. Talk is cheap. And just simply saying to people, I love you, Jesus loves you, is nothing. In fact, isn't that what James says? Let me take you to James. Just real quick. You don't need to turn there. James, great epistle if you want to read an epistle, but be careful when you read it because it's like 
talking to somebody with a two-by-four. He says this, What does it profit, my brother, when someone says they have faith but does not have works? Chapter 2, verse 14. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You know, here's the thing. Talk is cheap. And so the question is, is your love for others reflected in action? So let me just stop for a moment. We like to do this. I, this is a good place for me to bring this up. We like to tell people, oh, well, you need to come to church. How many of you do that? You, you tell somebody, oh, you just need to come to church. Like, coming to church is going to help them out. I'm, I was there. I used to invite people. You know what I'm talking about. Say, yeah, I know what you're talking about, George. You need to come to church. Here's what I need to tell you. You need to quit telling people to come to church. What? We want everybody to come to church. What are you talking about, George? Listen to me. Don't throw a brick at me yet. We need to quit telling people to come to church because church isn't what they're interested in because when they think of church, they think of churches filled with scribes and Pharisees. So I, when you talk about people coming to church, you've got to understand when they think of the term church, they think of a group of people who are self-righteous, morally upstanding, who are going to judge them. So don't tell them to come to church. So what do I tell them then? Here's what you need to tell them. You need to come with me and meet Jesus. Come with me and meet Jesus. Well, where is he going to meet Jesus? The body of Jesus. Who's the body, folks? We are. See, you're going to have to be like the friends who say, you know what, the only hope for my friend, the only hope for healing in his life, the only hope for breaking that addiction, the only hope for them overcoming that struggle, the only hope for them to find healing in their life from this, that, or another, is for them to meet Jesus. And so I want you to come with me and meet Jesus. And where are they going to meet Jesus, folks? Not at the church in their mind, but with the body. Invite them to meet Jesus. Come with me and meet Jesus. And help them to understand, Jesus lives through who, folks? In fact, isn't that what he says, Paul says? We are what? The temple of what? The Holy Spirit. Now, he's not talking about the building being the temple. He's talking about who? Us. So let's quit inviting folks to church because they got a connotation for church. Let's talk to them about inviting them to meet who? Jesus. Jesus. So... Is your love for others reflected in action? Is it going to be seen in your actions? And then finally, embrace the one who heals and forgives. Remember what I said two weeks ago before I went on my little vacation? I said to you that oftentimes people have a perception of God based upon how we are towards them. And if we are judgmental towards them, they think that God is judgmental to them as well. Remember I said that? Here's the thing. We need to correct our concepts of Jesus. Every one of us here, whether you've been a Christian for a long time, whether you're seeking Jesus. We need to correct our concepts of Jesus. And what we need to see here is Jesus is not like those self-righteous folks, is he? Jesus actually reaches out to who? Everyone. And so if he reaches out to everyone, guess what? He'll reach out to you. And so you need to embrace the one who what? Heals. And the one who forgives. 
Which group do you belong to, folks? And if you're in either one of them, you need to embrace it. But my prayer is, as God reveals it to you. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.